Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Amen. What a beautiful presence of the Lord is here this evening. Somebody say amen. Amen. I know there is much going on, camps, and summer vacations, and, but I honor you for prioritizing the house of God on this Wednesday night. Thank you for, for being here. And uh, I often say it, you know, I, I'm in a season of life where I do travel full time now, but prior to that, I spent 10 years as a church planner and pastor, and so that really has shaped the perspective of my ministry. And uh, you can't build on people that aren't committed. You, you can have the most gifted of individuals, but if they just won't prioritize the house of God, you can't build on them. And so I honor you for prioritizing the house of God on this Wednesday night. Thank you for being here. And if you want to grab your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 16. We'll read one verse of Scripture, verse number 16. As you're turning there, I want to say what an honor it is to be here with you this week. I give high honor to your pastor, his wife. And uh, aren't you thankful for leadership? Amen. Now, it's not what I've come to preach about, but this has kind of become one of my candy sticks, if we could say it this way. I'm observing a trend, particularly, I would say, with those 40, 45, and under, which are my peers, where we feel like sometimes we can just pick and choose the voices we want. And certainly social media has not contributed to that. YouTube doesn't help that. But the Bible teaches that God will give you pastors according to His heart. Paul said that God set the members in the body. So we don't get the liberty to just pick and choose. And No, no, no. We just submit to what God has set in order. And so I honor your pastor for his voice and leadership in this church and in the body of Christ. I give honor to the ministry that is here. I know there are several ministers in this house, many of whom are my friends. And it's a joy to see you tonight. Acts 16 verse 16. The Bible says, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. I draw your attention to this phrase, as we went to prayer, as we went to prayer. And I want to preach to you tonight on this thought as we go to prayer. As we go to prayer. Uh, it's not going to be a deep thought tonight. It's not overly scholarly. It's going to be relatively simple. But when I woke up this morning, the Lord put this phrase in my spirit as we went to prayer. And I knew the scripture that he was speaking to me from. I will not endeavor to try to convince you this evening of why you should pray. In fact, I'm not even sure Jesus did that with his followers. The Bible says that when ye pray. So it would seem to me that those who identified themselves as followers of Christ, it was the assumed or the expected behavior. And then we, we find him coming into the temple in Jerusalem and he makes the statement in Matthew 21 that my house shall be called a house of prayer. 
So I just want to talk to you a little bit about prayer tonight and see what the Lord will do. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for this great fellowship, this great body of believers. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in them as individuals and families and this local church congregation. But I pray, Lord, that you would take us deeper, that you would do even more. We're not satisfied. We are convinced of this fact, God, that there is still more that you have for us. And I pray tonight that you would stir a hunger within us for more, to believe you for more, to believe you for greater. I pray, Lord, that there would be a burden of prayer that would stir within the hearts of individuals and in this local church. I ask it in the only name that has all power. In Jesus' name I pray. And would everybody say amen? Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated tonight. The Jewish people had returned from exile and were consumed with that singular desire to rebuild the city and the temple that they had known and held so dear. We find Solomon's dedicatory prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. The Bible would say that fire falls from heaven. The Lord's glory fills the house. God appears to Solomon now a second time and begins to speak to him promises that in my estimation and experience that we hold dear still today. I would go so far to say is it is prophetic in nature. It's still true. The words are still alive and speak to us here and now in this very moment, though God spoke them thousands of years ago. You see, this is what it is to be God. And the Word of God is forever living and alive and powerful. And so, though He speaks them in context to Solomon and to Israel thousands of years ago, we can open the pages of Scripture here tonight, and by the Spirit, they speak to us, and they hold power and influence in our lives here tonight. And so, yes, I do understand the immediate context of what we find in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. But I would submit to us tonight that though time has passed and culture has changed, the words are still very true. If my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God says, then, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. This, I submit tonight, is one of the most poignant promises to the people of God corporately and all of Scripture. And as powerful as it might seem and as, as great of possibilities as it creates for us here tonight, it rests on this small but powerful word, if. If. The very fact that the powers of the world to come that the writer of Hebrews speaks of can invade the world that now is if, if, all the power God has, if, every possibility that exists because of who He is, what He has said, and what He can do, if, 
This is he who stood with his disciples in Matthew 28. And he said, I have all power in heaven and in earth. But it rests on these two letters, if. See, the purpose of God not only invites us tonight, but I would submit to us, it demands our participation. I could stand here tonight and tell you stories of lives and churches whose potential went unfulfilled and whose destiny went to the grave because of somebody's unwillingness to become a participant with the purpose that God declared. And so, yeah, I know we, hey, I know you don't know me and you you're going to have to feel my heart tonight, but I know we can do a lot and not pray. But God's only going to do a little bit unless we pray. We can do a lot. I want you to hear me tonight. We can do a lot if we don't pray. We can plan and we can strategize and we can talk vision and we can have programs and we can practice and we can prepare. But I've got to preach to you tonight that while we can do a lot, God can only do a little if we don't get back to the place where we prioritize prayer in our lives and in our churches. I've traveled intermittently since 2016, but full-time now for a year and a half. And I've got to be honest with you. I'm troubled as I travel with the lack of corporate prayer. Services are not preceded by prayer very much anymore. And if it is, we move it to some isolated corner of the building as not to offend somebody. What are they coming for? They're coming to encounter God. And how are they going to do that except they get in the atmosphere where God's moving? I'm troubled as I travel a little a bit because at the conclusion of preaching all too often and far too quick we move into the music and all of us are prey to it we just start singing the lyrics that are on the screen and not pushing into a deeper place of prayer and so on this first night I've got to preach to you the burden of my heart we've got to get back to the place of prayer in the corporate body I'll never forget, I was much younger, I'm not old now, but much younger then when I was still in eastern Canada. When Brother Jerry Dean came to preach for Brother Woodward, he finished the message and he walked back into the church office and he plopped down on the sofa and he said, my goodness, Brother Woodward, what did I do wrong? And Brother Woodward looked at him and said, what do you mean, Brother Dean? He said, I preached that same message in Louisiana and they did cartwheels through the altar. Brother Woodward and his diplomatic Canadian way said well brother Dean you just have to understand the culture here is a little bit different and but he said did you notice how they lingered in the altar and brother Dean said yeah I, I, I did he said at my church I can't get them to stay for 15 minutes but they came up here and they were there for 30 or 45 minutes and so I submit to you tonight some of this is just what was born and birthed into me in my early years of ministry but I'm troubled now as I travel because I see it's becoming increasingly increasingly rare. We go through the programs and we fulfill the checklist and we, we plan and we prepare and we practice but I've got to ask you tonight what about prayer? And so we find the story in Acts chapter 12. The Bible says about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. 
Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, the Bible says he puts him into prison. He delivered him to the four quarters, to the soldiers, to keep him attending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, I want to draw your attention back to verse number one tonight because the Bible said Herod had already killed James. And when he saw that it pleased the people, he decided, I'll just get Peter too. I got to preach to somebody tonight. Hell is never satisfied. If we took the time tonight, we could come up with a long list of names of preachers and saints that have graced pulpits and pews in the Pentecostal movement that are not here today. You know why? Because hell is never satisfied. And I've got to preach to you just because the devil got them doesn't mean he's not going to try to get you. Just because he got one family doesn't mean he's not going to try to get your family. Just because he got your neighbor doesn't mean he's going to overlook you. I'm telling you, hell is never satisfied and he will use whatever he can and whatever he has to to disrupt your destiny and God's purpose for your life. Hell is never satisfied. I wish it was so. I wish he. I, I wish the devil would reach a place when he just decided I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to try anymore. I've got. That's not how this works. I promise you, he's got more than one church, and he's going to keep on looking for another. He got one preacher. He'll keep on looking for another. He got one saint, and he'll keep on looking for another. And so it would have been for Peter, except verse number five. But prayer was made without ceasing. Did you see that? But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. This wasn't one believer, no. This was a call of corporate prayer. This was a group of people coming together and saying, hey, I just don't want to build a private little altar by myself in my own little living room. No. They got on the phone with one another. They started texting one another. They called pastor and said, can we open up the church doors? Our brother's in trouble. I think we need to pray. Peter would have gone the way of James had it not been for this fact that the people of God gathered together and said, we're going to pray because I know something happens when I pray. Hell's never satisfied. The word vex, it, it means to oppress, it means to afflict, to cause harm, or to mistreat. It's a constant attack on our mind and our life, depleting us of spiritual virtue and passion causing us to succumb to spiritual routine without any spiritual passion. It suffocates our faith. Until we reach a place where we convince ourselves we're okay because we're in the motion, but really our heart is not in it. But there were some who gathered to pray. And the Bible said that Peter, while he's in prison, his destiny is altered because of this simple fact. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. What they do? They prayed. How'd they do it? They prayed together without ceasing unto God for him. It was a prayer meeting called corporately for a singular specific purpose. Their brother was in trouble, soon to die, to be executed, just like somebody else. But evidently somebody was moved by a burden of prayer. 
And that burden of prayer compelled them to call somebody else until that burden of prayer started weaving through the body like the thread on the needle. And all of a sudden, it wasn't one man in his recliner, but it was the body assembling together in the late hours of the night because somebody was in need. I've come to preach to you tonight. If we want what we talk about, we're going to have to get back to a place of corporate prayer. These simple words, but prayer was made, changed the outcome. It changed his destiny. It spared his life. It saved him. It sent an angel of God into that prison. It was a doorway. Prayer was a literal doorway for a divine encounter, but prayer was made. Could it be that in the same way that they were in one accord and in prayer on the day of Pentecost in Acts 1. Could it be that, that the pattern that preceded the outpouring of Pentecost had so ingrained something inside of them that they now knew it must again precede any outpouring of power? I know they were in one place, and I know they were in one accord, but they weren't in one accord on a basketball court. They weren't in one accord playing video games. They weren't in a fellowship hall. They were in a prayer room for 10 days. And could it be that that monumental moment in their life had so fashioned their form of faith that when they find themselves on the night of their brother's death and fear is tormenting their, night, their mind and the uncertainty of the future is tearing at their heart, they know no other thing to do but to gather together with people of like precious faith and begin to call on God. So James says in 5.16, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And hear it, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the scripture says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly. Words that we so easily overlook, but it draws our attention to the great prophet of old and tells us he was a man just like you and I. He had like passions, which is to say the prophet, as powerful as he was, he wrestled with the same human emotion we all have. But when despair started to creep in his mind and when fear started tormenting his mind and when his heart was wrestling with the realities and the spiritual darkness in his world, he didn't allow his emotions to become manipulated to push him out of the presence of God and push him out of the place of prayer. No, instead, he allowed his emotions to serve as a trigger of his need of God. Can I submit to you tonight? That's why God gave you emotion to teach you how to pray. So every time you feel afraid, that's God saying, you need to pray. Every time you feel anxious, that's God saying, you need to pray. Every time you feel troubled, that's the Holy Ghost saying, hey, I wired you with a trigger to teach you how to pray, to redirect your thoughts toward me, to open your heart toward me. I've been privileged in my life to spend some time around some great patriarchs of the faith. One of them is Bishop John Min, a prince of a man. He embodies this. 
It's just in constant communication with the Lord. His spirit is always open to God. And I don't minimize Bishop's life or his legacy or the influence of, of he and Sister Men. They're, they're heroes of the faith. But, but, but this is what I would submit to you tonight in my 10 years of, of, of close fellowship with him. He's just a man. I've been privileged to sit at the table and fellowship with some powerful men and women of faith who have preached at conferences and stood on platforms on the UPC. And in no way do I mean to dishonor or minimize them. But I have to tell you tonight, they're just a man. But they're men and women who learn the power of consecration and of prayer. They're men and women who learn how to hide their life in the presence of God and to turn to God in their hour of need. And such was the tale of the prophet that James is writing of. He was a man who felt everything you feel. Oh, he, he, he's felt fear. His mind's been tormented. He's had sleepless nights. He's tossed and turned at bills he couldn't pay. He didn't know what the outcome was going to look like. But when fear crept in and when worry showed up and when anxiety tried to overtake him, you know what he did? He crawled under bed in the middle of the night and he found the recliner in his living room and he began to call on God and he began to speak in other tongues and he began to call on a name that has all power because he learned the power of prayer he prayed that it might not rain and the Bible says it didn't rain for the space of three years and six months and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain so his power had both the ability to restrain and to release what was happening in the world. I know sometimes we read these stories and we think, well, that's so far beyond us. But I've come to tell you tonight, your power has the ability to restrain and to release what's happening in the world. So our text was Acts 16, and this is really where I've come to preach to you tonight. We read how it came to pass as we went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her master as much gain by soothsaying. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe in spiritual warfare. Now, many years ago, I was still a Bible school student. My pastor at the time was away. I got a call one weekend to go to the house of a lady in our church. When I walked through the door... Her 16-year-old granddaughter was stooped over the back of her dining room chair, and I knew the moment I laid eyes on her, she was possessed. And I'll tell you, I was in over my head. Now, maybe you would know what to do, but you, you better, maybe you should be preaching here tonight. But I heard some missionaries, like men like Brother Scott and others, tell stories. Somewhere along the, along the way, I, I, I heard people you know, say they'd confront a devil and say, tell me your name. And so here's this naive Bible school student. I get down in her eye and I say, I command you to tell me your name. When I tell you before God, that 16-year-old girl came three feet off that chair and hit the floor with the force of a grown man throwing her body on the floor and began convulsing. I believe in spiritual warfare. But let me tell you something. If we're not careful... We're going to allow our ideas of spiritual warfare to be manipulated by the charismatic world. Furthermore, I would tell you like this, you don't have to go around looking for a devil under every corner. And I hope you don't hate me by the end of the service, but let me just tell you, this is something I'm a little concerned about. 
Because our tendency is to hear a story like that. And if we're not careful, we can think there's something special about the person who tells the story. When he was just a man with like passions. I'm telling you this tonight to tell you I believe in the reality of spiritual things. But I don't walk around looking for a devil behind every chair. And neither did the apostles. But the Bible does say it came to pass as we went to prayer. They weren't on a hunt for the devil. They weren't looking for a demon. They weren't trying to figure, no, they they were just going to prayer. And as they went to prayer, the Bible says that they were met by a damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. You know why? Because as you go to prayer, something gets stirred up in the spiritual world. You don't have to walk around looking for it. And the problem is, I fear we have created a subculture among us where we've got people who want to see spirits and talk about spiritual things, but they don't actually walk in the spirit. Let me tell you something. You go read what Paul wrote about walking in the Spirit. It's, he's not talking about miracles, signs, and wonders. He's not talking about prophecy and the gift of faith. What he's talking about is the character and the nature of God. That's why he said, this I say then, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But our problem is we've made walking in the Spirit to our this younger generation. Walking in the Spirit is about a platform. It's about a gift of the Spirit. It's about a miracle. And the problem is we've got a subculture that desires the outcome but doesn't want to submit to the process to get there. And I've got to preach to you tonight. The only way it happens is if we go to prayer. And I'm not praying so somebody can think I'm powerful. I'm not praying so somebody can think anything special about Dan McLeod. You know why I have to pray? I have to pray to keep my flesh under subjection because I'm not as patient as I need to be. And I'm not as kind as I need to be. I don't have enough love or meekness in this flesh. So i got to go to prayer to deal with my humanity so the Spirit can live. And the Bible says, as they go to prayer, as he goes to prayer, they're not on some mission hunting the devil. They're they're not trying to figure out which block the the prince of the city lives in. No, no, no. They're just going to prayer because that's how this thing works. That's how we live. That's how we walk with God. That's how this relationship happens. And as they go to prayer, something starts happening in that unseen world. And all of a sudden, the Spirit shows itself. They weren't looking for it. They were looking for God. And this is the problem. If you're not careful, you can start looking for platforms and ministries and gifts. And you can start looking for callings. But you'll miss God in the process. If you're not careful, you can even look for church growth. You can look for revival and miss God in the process. I'm preaching to you tonight. What God has for this church is great. But the only way you're ever going to get it is by giving yourselves to prayer. I know you did it preceding these few days. But I hope you don't stop when these few days pass. Because, honey, there's only one way it happens. It happens by prayer. When we went to Halifax to start the church, Justin Grace hit me. 
I think back, we didn't know what we were doing. And at one point, we tried to do this big outreach. We had billboards around the city, tens of thousands of door hangers. We were meeting on the university campus, going to have a big Holy Ghost meeting. And some guy came in like he wanted to give us some publicity and interviewed us. And then he went to somebody else and just shamed us on the news in the city. And he interviewed the, the dean of theology from the Atlantic School of Theology. It's a, it's, a, it's a seminary that's a joint effort by the Anglican Church, the Catholic Church, and the United Church. And the dean said, unfortunately, these young men hold to an interpretation of Scripture that just doesn't work here. But my pastor just preached there this past Sunday. They had five get the Holy Ghost. They're sitting in a $1.7 million building that we didn't pay for. God gave it to us for free. There's 220 chairs in the sanctuary, and you'd be hard-pressed to find 30 or 40 empty ones on a Sunday now. But you know how it happened? It didn't happen by programs. It didn't ha- I've got a high school education. I'll tell you how it happened. It happened by a lot of Saturday night prayer meetings when the calendar said it should end at 8 o'clock. But Pastor Jay and I were in the altar pushing and calling for more prayer and prayer and prayer and prayer. I, I don't come with a complicated message tonight. I just come to tell you there's only one way it happens it's by prayer and I'm telling you in the fear of God when you start praying something's going to get stirred up in the spirit world I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost right now you can drive drugs off your street and out of your apartment you can drive immorality off your block and out of your family lineage I'm telling you in the fear of God you can drive it out you can drive racism out of your city do you believe it? Or do we just want to sit back and fold our arms and let hell get another one and another one and another one? Or is there going to be some people that say, no, I really do believe that when I pray, something happens. Hey, I hope, I hope we get the most conservative mayor we can. I hope we get a good governor and a good president. But you hear me, hell doesn't stop working because we get who we want in a political office. That spirit will find another channel and another avenue and another business and another school and another person and another platform. But I'll tell you what, we'll deal with it. It's people of God that know how to pray and pray and pray. I'm telling you, when you start praying, something's going to start turning in the spirit world. And don't you be surprised when all of a sudden things start showing up and confronting you. We were in a season of intense spiritual opposition. The city of Halifax had taken in tens of thousands of Syrian immigrants. And in my naivety, I just thought, well, we must be, we must be battling something that comes from that culture, that Islam faith. So my wife and I would take the kids and we'd go down to a city park on Saturday afternoon where they would be two and three hundred of them at a time, Muslim people. And we'd get down among them. And when I tell you they were some of the most kind, friendly, and hospitable people I have ever met, I mean it. And all of a sudden, I'm, my mind is perplexed because I'm trying to figure out where is all this spiritual opposition coming from. What's going on? It's not here. And the Lord used a preacher who came through one Sunday, sitting at a dinner table that night, to open my eyes to the source of the stronghold and the spirit that we are wrestling against. It's a Sunday night. 
I go to work Monday morning. I'm working at a Hilton hotel. I'm standing at the front desk. It's about 8 o'clock in the morning when a lady walks in. She asked me a question. I told her what meeting room to go to. When I said the name of the meeting room, she had a legal leather portfolio in her hands. She slammed it down on the desk. She put her finger right on the tip of my nose and started screaming at me. It's at the front desk of a hotel. There's people coming. The breakfast area is full of people. Everyone's looking. Now, I'm not afraid to fight. So there's something that rises up in me. But about the time I feel Dan McLeod rising, I can feel the Spirit of the Lord being grieved within me. So I just have to humble myself and let myself look like a fool in front of all these people while she goes up one side of me and down the other. Because it wasn't about her. It was about that spirit. And see, what happens is when you expose the enemy and he can't work through deception, he'll start working through distraction or through intimidation. He'll try to put you into a place where you feel inferior or uncertain of yourself. Or you're intimidated to keep pressing the way you were pressing. I'm just telling you what I've learned from a little bit of experience. I don't have it all figured out. But I'm telling you, when you go to prayer, things are going to start moving in the Spirit. Don't you be surprised when you go to prayer and you start targeting things in the Spirit when you see things pop up in the news. Because that's what you've been praying about. I'm just telling, I thank God for every social program the government can give us. I thank God for every 12-step class and every community meeting that builds, but you hear me. That's not going to deal with the spirit that is at work in the world. And I'm telling you, hell is never satisfied. It got somebody else, and don't you think it's going to stop. It's going to keep searching till it finds one more. One more person to die of a drug overdose. One more marriage to be wrecked by immorality. One more family to be torn apart by suicide. I'm telling you tonight, hell! is never satisfied so I would to God there would be some people that say I won't be satisfied with my prayer I'm going to keep on praying till I drive that out of the apartment I live in and I'm going to keep on praying till I push it off the city street I'm on and I'm going to keep on praying till I don't hear that stuff at work anymore I'm going to pray, 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 pray And it's only a few verses later in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas find themselves in prison. And the Bible says at midnight they begin to pray and sing praises unto God. And all of a sudden that little tremble beneath their feet comes a mighty earthquake. And the prison doors swing open. Do you see it now? In a matter of just a few verses we see the power of prayer to alter both spiritual and physical reality. I'm telling you, prayer is powerful when you do it with faith and sincerity and in the right name. You know why I'm here tonight? Because in 1966, when my father was a 13-year-old kid and was hit by a truck on his motorcycle one morning and spent 10 weeks in a coma, totally unresponsive, and the doctors told my grandmother, the David you see right now is the only David you're ever going to have. But my grandmother was a praying woman. She wasn't perfect. She didn't have it all figured out. She had like passions just like you and I. But you know what she did? She believed in prayer. 
So she said, well, doctor, if it'd be all right, I would just like to wait until Sunday. And one more time, I'd like to get my pastor to come in here and see if God wouldn't touch my son. And that old man of God, you've never heard his name. I don't even know, I don't even know he was licensed back then. He's never preached a conference in the UPC, but it was just an old country preacher who knew how to pray. He knew how to walk with God. He walked in that hospital on that Sunday afternoon, laid hands on my father, rebuked death, and spoke life. And within a few short days, my dad walked out of the hospital. That's why I'm here today. I'm telling you, prayer's powerful. It can alter any spiritual reality, and it can alter any physical reality. It can lengthen a limb. It can open a blind eye. I'll never forget. I, I'd heard of miracles. I've been in services where miracles happen, but I'll never forget standing on that platform in Barcelona, Spain on a Wednesday night in June of 2016 when I turned to Brother Herod and said, they don't need a translator for the altar call. You take it. And he looked at me and said, no, the Lord is going to use you. And when he said those words, I felt like somebody dropped a blanket. I could feel a literal weight come on my shoulders. And I watched from the back of that little building, they walked a man up through the crowd. It was packed, 200 and 250 people in that little building. And they brought him. He stood right center in front of that pulpit his eyes were so cloudy white you couldn't even see his pupils or the color of his eyes and as we laid hands on him and began to pray I watched with my own eyes that white cloud disappear and all of a sudden the expression on his face starts changing and he starts pointing at the wall and speaking the colors and the objects that he can see I'm telling you prayer is powerful it can alter any spiritual reality and it can alter any physical reality. It's powerful. The question is, will we? All of the power, all of the possibility, if, 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 if my If my people. I'm just telling you tonight. I feel the heart of God longing for his body to revive the culture of corporate prayer. I'm talking about... I'm talking about things that are birth of the Spirit. We were, it's been three months ago now. Pastor was preaching on a Wednesday night, and I, the Holy Ghost hit him. I mean, he's like an hour on a Wednesday night kind of guy, but it was about an hour and 40 minutes before he put the mic down. And by the time people left the sanctuary, it was after 11 o'clock. And for the next several days, he called Anybody who can come to prayer, 12 o'clock noon, the church is going to be open. There were two or 300 people there on their lunch break every day. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something turning inside of us to restore the call. Because I fear, I fear we're getting so good at the program. So good at the production. 
that we don't even know how to pray. Someone asked me some time ago, if you'll give me the liberty, this is how I'd like to close tonight. They said, I noticed, they seen somewhere I had ministered, they said, I noticed you don't often have music at the end of your message. I said, sometimes, but rarely. They said, why is that? I said, because I'm concerned. Because we rush to the altar and we sing the lyrics on the screen and we don't ever really press into prayer. And so tonight, I think it'd be fitting if we found space to pray. I want you to stand together with me. I tell you again, when we pray, physical and spiritual realities will be altered. You don't have to go looking for a devil. You don't have to look for a miracle. You have to look for God. And I promise you, as you start walking with them, stuff's going to happen. And the scripture is so clear to even admonish us on how to pray when we don't know what to pray. Paul said in Romans 8, if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but he says, the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I know you know this. We're, we're Pentecostal. But I'm offering you a little observation tonight. I'm troubled that we know it in story, in less and less in experience. I've heard the elders say it. You just got to pray through. And can I tell you as a 20, 21-year-old church planner who had big dreams and visions all those years ago, yeah, I thought I had some things to teach the old elder. Pray through. And then I learned just how powerful praying through really is. Oh, yeah, but you, you really think just going to find talking in tongues for a little while is going to make a little difference? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I think a little talking in tongues can help your headache. It could deal with your tumor. It could deal with the devil in your family tree. It could deal with your back pain or your fear. It could do what pills can't do for your anxiety. Yeah, I really do believe that. In fact, the Greek word in this verse, for the word helpeth, it's only found one other time in Scripture. And you know what it is? It's when Mary and Martha are taking care of Jesus and all his friends, and Martha gets a little bit disturbed that Mary's not prioritizing the duties of the house. And she comes and says, Hey, could you please tell Mary to come help me? 
Jesus, don't you see all the stuff we've got to do? Do you see all that goes into a building like this and an operation like this and an organization like this? We need more help. Jesus, please tell Mary to come help me. And in the sovereignty of God, the only other time the Lord would use, would breathe those words through the pen of the apostle is in Romans chapter 8. Because he's trying to show us about an attitude that can permeate the body and how we're actually supposed to deal with it. I know there's an ever-growing list of needs and roles and volunteers that we're searching for. But the help you think you need, Martha, flows out of the Spirit first. The help that you're looking for. Now, I know you. we need volunteers. We need people to vacuum. We need people to clean. We need people to serve and greet and smile at the door. But I'm just telling you, it's possible to do all of that and still miss what the Spirit has. So when I don't know what to pray when it's too complex, when I'm not smart enough, when I'm overwhelmed. And can I just be honest with you tonight? This is where I feel like I, I, I live a lot of my life. I, it's just beyond me. It's just I, I don't know. It's too complex. I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough experience. So what do I have to do? I just have to trust that as I'm walking with God and praying in the Spirit, the Spirit's helping me in a way that I need. And the Spirit's doing things for me and through me that I can't do for myself. Martha, I know you think you need somebody to help you in the kitchen. But Mary, she chose the needful thing. And I know, I, uh, trust me, I, I, I know we need more greeters. We need more cleaners. We, we need more sound people and more Sunday school teachers. And we, we need to fill the choir. I, I know, I'm not, I'm not saying get rid of you. I'm just saying we've got to get back to the place where everything we do in ministry, everything we do in the church flows out of the priority of prayer. Rather than trying to fit prayer into the production, we've got to make sure that prayer precedes the production. That's why the old writer said, first of all, prayer. And so, in closing, I want to read this. I'm a, I enjoy a little history. I read this some time ago. Many of you have probably heard it before. But it was 1904, and the nation of Wales was desperately poor in a struggling mining community. It was riddled with crime and moral impurity to the point that police would walk through the cities and close the streets at night. No one knew his name back then, but you probably have heard it now. His name was Evan Roberts. He dropped out of school to work with his father in the mines at the age of 12. While his peers busied themselves with worldly pleasures and sinful habits, it was said that Evan would distance himself to read the scriptures and pray. His peers coined him the faithful of God. At 25 years of age, he was evicted 
from his apartment for noise disturbance. He said he would literally toss on his bedroom floor, crying out loud, Spirit of God, fall upon me. Bend me, Lord. Bend me, God. After humbling coming to his pastor, his pastor granted him permission on a Wednesday night following service to preach to anybody who would dare to stay. Twelve people stayed to hear the heart of this young man. His simple four-part message said this, Confess every sin and every wrong you have ever done. Cleanse yourself of every doubtful habit. We must know how to be prompted by the Holy Ghost. We must be public with our witness. And within a matter of weeks, history would record that every church in Wales was filled to capacity. Lines of people, several hundred souls long, filed out church doors. Such a shock went around the world that the New York Times put a man on a boat to cross the Atlantic Ocean. And he writes, it emptied the saloon. It emptied the dance halls. It emptied the theaters. And it filled the churches night after night after night. The Union newspaper said this, the Holy Ghost has possessed our pulpits. The London Times recorded, it was like something from another world. And to this I say, it was! It was what the writer of Hebrews said, when we have tasted of the powers of the world to come. But you don't taste it by YouTube. You don't taste it by an Amazon bestseller. You don't taste it by Netflix and program and production. You taste it by prayer. Edwin Orr said this, history is silent about revivals that did not begin with prayer. And to this I say to you, that's because there were none. And so on this first night of our four days together, and really of the trajectory that the Lord would like to move your life and this church we have a choice. What do we do now? I submit we go to prayer. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. Don't hold it in. It's going to hit you. Come on, you need to let that travail come from the depth of your soul right now. You troubled about your marriage? Are you concerned about that backslidden family member? I'm telling you, tonight you could pray something. And like an angel went to that prison cell. He could go to the prison that that spirit has created. Come on, pray, pray, pray. I'm telling you, sanctuary, as you go to prayer, 
I'm telling you, you have power with God to alter every spiritual reality. You have power with God to push back the darkness. You have power with God to pull down strongholds. Come on, mama, you concerned about your kids? You can deal with it tonight in the place of prayer. Come on, Dad, you concerned about your family? You worried? Are you concerned about your health or your finances? I'm telling you, you can deal with it right now. You can get to a place in prayer where intercession starts coming out of you and the Spirit starts helping you in a way nothing else can. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, come on. The words of 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, they're still true. He said it to Israel then, but he's saying it to you now. Come on, while you're praying, God might strengthen your spine. He might straighten your back tonight. While you're praying, he might fix the arch in your feet. He might touch the organ that doesn't work right. Because when you pray, there's a power that shows up. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by my knowledge. It's not by my planning. It's not by my intellect. Oh God, restore the culture of vibrant corporate prayer. Turn something in our hearts, God. Come on, pray. Don't let off the gas pedal. You need, you need to push it down. Pray, pray, pray. Peter would have died that next morning, but the church prayed. Oh, God. Turn our eyes from this world. Turn our eyes from the cares of this world towards you. Pray, pray, pray. I'm telling you, something can change. Your family's legacy can change. I pray for every backslider represented by the families in this house. I pray against every lying spirit that has spoken to them. I pray against the hurt in their life. I pray against the bitterness in their life. 
I pray the balm of Gilead would touch them. I pray, Lord God, that you would heal them. Allow them to see clearly. Remove the veil of bitterness this night. I pray, God, that you would send your angel this night to their house, to their home. Soften their heart, Lord. Let them see you as you really are. You're the Father that will run after them, that you still love them in spite of their failure. Oh, God, I pray right now for every backslidden son, every backslidden daughter. I pray right now for everyone who's watching by way of the web. I pray for everyone scattered around this city that's not in this sanctuary tonight. I pray the power of God would fall on them where they are. I pray the burden of prayer would arrest them where they are. I pray somebody would pull their car over to the side of the road, put it in park in a parking lot and start talking in tongues until their mind is free, until their joy is replenished, until the power of God transforms them. Ah. Uh. Come on, Peter would have died, but the church prayed. They're going to go to hell, but you're praying. They're going to die in their addiction. No, because you're praying. That marriage is going to fall apart. No, because you're praying. I don't have money for that bill. Yeah, but now you're praying. I'm telling you tonight, the outcome can be different if we pray. Oh, God in heaven, we need you. Turn your eyes toward this house. Turn your eyes to the cry of the heart of your people. Turn your eyes to the cry of this sanctuary, God. Come on, that's it. Don't hold it back. Just let it come out of you like a river. Don't you worry about your volume. Don't you worry about what anybody else is going to think. Come on, let that spirit of intercession come through you. Let it flow through. You don't know what you're praying. You don't know what you're saying. But I'm telling you, something's moving in the spirit. And when it starts moving in the spirit, it's not too long after that that something starts moving in the natural world. Yes, yes, yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, this isn't with the enticing words of man's wisdom. 
but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. This is what we long for. This is what we hunger for. This is what we need. I pray against every spirit of division in this city. I pray against every principality and power that works against the love of God, that works against the peace of God, that seeks to smother out the effect of the fruit of the Spirit. I pray against it right now. I pray your people would flourish with the fruit of the Spirit. I pray there would be such abounding love and joy, so much peace and kindness that you'd put a temperance and a meekness back in us, God, in the name of Jesus. We don't fight with weapons of this flesh. We feel it in our natural man, but we know we must respond with the weapons of the Spirit. We come with the blood. We come with the name. We come with the word. We come with the Spirit. Oh, God, disrupt us, I pray. Stir us from our place of complacency, from our comfort, from our routine. Shake us, I pray. Ah, I pray, Lord, that you would help us see, not by our human eyes, but by the eyes of faith, to see what is possible by you and through you, that if we pray, that when we pray, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Ah, yes, 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 yes. Ha, ha, just lean into it. That's it. That burden of prayer, that spirit of prayer, that's where things move. That's where change happens. Mundo Romo Nile Masataya Iba Shahata Kuriba Yando Romo Sahataya God, we need you. We need you. Ma, ye are 
Ramasha Yaha Iloyo no Yosatanya. Let me have your attention just for a minute. I want us to keep the spirit of prayer, but here's what I'd like us to do. In Acts chapter 12, the Bible said they gathered and the church of God began to pray without ceasing for him. So they targeted their prayer on a specific thing. This is what we're going to do. We're going to keep, keep the atmosphere of prayer. But if you're here tonight, if you're here right now, and you need a miracle, any kind of miracle, could be a miracle in your mind, it could be a miracle in your body, but you need a miracle. If you're here and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you would like to, I want you to stand up and I want you to make your way right down to the front. It could be any kind of miracle. You've got pain in your body. It could be a family situation. It could be a financial need. There, there, there's a current of power flowing through here right now. And we just, we're going to direct our prayer to some specific things. Just like they did in Acts chapter 12. It, if you come down, if you would, just remain standing. Right, Everyone who's coming to the front in need, if you would just remain standing right here in the front and the center. Jesus, help us, God. I want you to listen to me for just a minute. I don't, I, don't, I don't do miracles. I don't have any special power. But we see it plainly in Acts chapter 3. When that man leaped into the temple, the apostle said, Why are you looking at me like I did this by my own power? Let me tell you how this happened. He said, his name, Jesus' name, it's verse 16 or something, Acts chapter 3. His name. And then he stops and he says, through faith. See, the possibility always existed because of his name. But the only way he could access that power was through faith. And so right now, I don't want you looking at me. You've got to look past me and you've got to see the cross right now. You got to see Calvary. And we're going to do what the Bible told us to do. We're going to speak to the mountain on the authority of this world. We're going to speak to some things right now. And you who have not stepped forward with the need, you're welcome if you feel led to gather in behind them and pray and lay hands. Certainly, our ministry, ministry team, please come lay hands and speak the word of faith. But we need, we need to direct this current of power that prayer has brought in here now. We're just doing what they did in Acts 12. We're going to direct it and pray for some specific things and believe for the power of God to minister. So would you just lift up your hands to the Lord? Lift up your hands. Lord Jesus, right now, upon the authority of your word that says, by your stripes we are healed. It's your word that says you sent your word and healed thee. It's your word that tells us the power of your blood and your name. Now upon the authority of that word and in the power of the name of Jesus Christ, I speak to every sickness. I speak to every infirmity. I speak to every attack of the enemy. And we say no more.
I pray the gift of healing and the working of miracles through this altar right now. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I speak to that pain. I speak to that dysfunctional organ in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, you can be delivered right now. You can be healed right now. Come on, that's it. The power of God is here right now. Yes, 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 yes.
may have your attention. I feel some more direction in prayer right now. I've mentioned this multiple times but already, but if you're here and you have, you have immediate family, it could be a marriage, children, immediate family, maybe even as far as a cousin, somebody close to you who is not serving God. They were at one time, but they have backslid. Would you just raise your hand? I want you to look around. If there's somebody close to you, I want you to just take a step towards them. We're going to partner in prayer over this right now. Many of these people became hurt and wounded and disillusioned by bitterness. The enemy used things that happened to them or were done against them to deceive them. But right now, we're going to go to prayer. We're going to go to prayer. We're going to take authority over that hurt. We're going to take authority over that bitterness. Come on, we're going to pray against that right now. In the name of Jesus, every device of the devil that he is using to keep those children bound, every device that the devil is using to keep them in darkness when they know the truth, we pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We call on the name that has all power in heaven and in earth. Come on, our God is a restorer. He's a healer. He makes all things new. Yes. Come on, we call them back. Let the chains of addiction be broken. Every chain of bondage, let it be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Don't you lose hope. Don't you give up hope. Don't you stop praying. God's not done working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you tonight when you pray, something happens. Something starts changing in the spirit and it won't be long. Something will start shaking in the natural. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, sanctuary. I'm telling you, I can see it so clear. As you pray, something is turning in the spirit. There's things that you're restraining, and there's things that you're releasing, and it happens when you pray. Yes, yes, yes.
in the name of Jesus. Why do you think that spirit got stirred up when the, when the apostles showed up? Because that spirit knew it was about to lose territory. It was about to lose influence. And the enemy would like to do nothing more than to intimidate you or to push you back, to cause you to ease off. But they didn't. And so what did it do? It tried to get them thrown in prison. It beat them, had their clothes ripped off them, locked in an inner prison. But even there... Paul and Silas pray because the power of prayer has nothing to do with geography or the size of the meeting or the venue it has everything to do with the sincerity of the heart who you're praying to I'm telling you prayer is powerful and there's a lot of times in my life when I have felt overwhelmed in the fight, weary on the journey, and the complexities of the problems just seem too much for my mind. So what do you do? I do what the Bible says. And I pray how the Bible says to pray when I don't know how to pray. And I just know the Spirit starts working. And spiritual realities start being altered. And all of a sudden, those things that were manipulating and influencing and controlling, they're not controlling anymore. And what God is doing in the spirit that our natural eye can't behold so quickly becomes apparent in the natural world when the ground starts shaking and prison doors start opening. I'm telling you, there are Notable works of God that He would like to put in your life and in this church. But the only way we get there is as we go to prayer. My heart's been stirred. I was in a conversation with Pastor Harpo a couple weeks ago. I can, I can talk about him. He's, he's not going to say, I've never met anyone in my life that fasts like my pastor. I've never been a part of a church that fasts like our church. Kids going on three and seven day fasts. And so I, I was commending him. I was speaking positively. of I've never seen anything like this. And he just dropped his head and said, I know, but we really have to do better at prayer. And my heart was pricked in that moment. I'm just telling you, my I feel so strongly the stirring of the Holy Ghost that as we have become so production-focused in the apostolic movement, more times than not, it has come at the expense of that corporate prayer culture that birthed so much of what we enjoy today. So tonight, 
I just come to challenge you. We have got to get back to it. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Let me speak for, I don't want to preach after the preacher or anything like that, but let me just say something. Thank you, Brother McLeod. He has spoken to this church in a powerful, powerful way. I tread lightly, but let me walk in this. 2006, building the building, all excited. And all of 2007, we knew Sister Dugas was sick. We prayed and we prayed and we fasted and we prayed some more. We had prayer meetings. We had more prayer. We prayed some more and then we prayed three more times and Sister Dugas died. And we get to 2017 and this church prayed and we fasted and we prayed and we prayed some more, and then we prayed some more, and Pastor Dugas died. That does not mean prayer doesn't work. We have been oppressed in this area, and our faith gets so high, and then it bumps and comes back down because God didn't do that, and maybe God has disappointed you in some other areas. God has sent Brother McLeod here to remind this church he's a prayer answering God. It's done by prayer. Sister Sanitha, you can vouch for me. Sat in your office for probably an hour saying, they see it on other fields. They see it every place else. They see the miracles. They say, I don't know what we're doing wrong. Is that we didn't need to fast one more time. We need to do something. And I just finally said, well, maybe Brother McLeod will answer it tonight. Thank God he answered it. It takes prayer. And when my people will pray, he will heal from here from heaven. Great things are going to happen. We have got, and I know he's mentioned it already, and I'm sorry I'm preaching behind the preacher, but he has mentioned it already that sometimes we just, we, something so simple, but it is that simple. It's going to take prayer, and it's going to pay, take dedication. I'm excited what God's going to do. He is about to take us to the next level and blow some doors off of things, but it's going to happen through prayer. Won't you lift your hands and thank him in dismissal? Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for being with us in this place, Lord, and sending a man of God our way to remind us you are a prayer-answering God. And the question is if, but Lord, we have come as the sanctuary on this very first night of revival 
to make a commitment to say we're going to pray. And when we pray, we're going to pray with authority. And we're going to pray in the Spirit. We're going to believe and lift our faith to you, knowing that you are well able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. And we're going to thank you and give you the praise. This is for your glory, O God. It's not for us. It's not for the sanctuary. But it is for your kingdom and for your glory. Let your will be done as it is in heaven, so on earth. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Hey, why don't we meet at 6 o'clock tomorrow in the Timothy Dugas Hall and have a prayer meeting before church. They'll be singing in here, but we can meet. Anybody can meet. Let's have a prayer meeting tomorrow night at 6 before church. God bless you. Have a great night.